Coming to you from Boise, Idaho, the fastest growing city in the U.S. and recognized as one of the most creative and vibrant cities to live in. This is a special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, a World of Creativity, a series of unique interviews with successful people from around the globe, how they get inspired, where their ideas come from, and how they apply creativity in their business and personal lives. Now, here's your host, Mark Phillips, along with special guest interviewer, Mark Stinson. Welcome to another episode of A World of Creativity, special series on enhancing the human experience. I'm Mark Phillips. I'm here with Mark Stinson. Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Mark. You know, we've really got an exciting interview, and I think people are really going to like it. I think one of the things that uh, this guest, Marty, Marty Johnson, is an accomplished attorney, and as a lawyer, you know, I knew of his very analytical thinking, and I was hoping to hear about some of his creative pursuits and passions, almost like as a diversion. Like, here's a chance for me to get away from this analytical thinking. But uh, I think I heard it differently, uh, the way he said these creative pursuits really feed his, uh, you know, so both sides of the brain get fed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the listeners are really going to find you know, how that works for Marty, uh, useful. Yeah. One of the, I I feel the same way after hearing him talk about how he compartmentalizes his different passions and how they feed, feed one another and they support one another and they kind of, you know, work in it like a, a system. I thought it was really fascinating. That's why we dive a little deeper into how he does that because a lot of people can't do that. Well, exactly. And it's a, it's a very popular thought to say that you should be a whole brain thinker. You know, don't just be left hand or left brain. Don't just be right brain. But uh, the, the way he describes it and the way it works for him, again, I, I think it's very practical and uh, I think very useful. Uh, and I think people can get a lot out of it. So I, I'm uh, happy to share it. Yeah, I am too. Well, let's jump into the interview and see what Marty has to say. All right, welcome to another episode of Enhancing the Human Experience, A World of Creativity. I'm Mark Phillips. I'm here with Mark Stinson. Welcome, Mark. how are you? Great. And we have with us Marty Johnson on the line here. Marty, how are you? Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Everything's great. Awesome. Here in the, where are you guys located this morning? In we're in Boise, Idaho. In Boise. Okay, great. And yeah. you're you say you're in Shreveport. Yeah, we have a little more heat than you guys, and a lot more humidity. <laughs> uh, no, a lot more humidity. That's for sure. <laughs> so, Mark, tell me how you know Marty. Yeah, well, Marty is uh, an attorney now in Shreveport, but we go back uh, all the way to high school days, and. Uh, we had a lot of creative pursuits together. And in high school, you know, creativity has a whole nother meaning, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I always thought, uh, you know, one way to, to really attract the girls in high school would be to learn how to play the guitar. Because then, uh, you know, the campfire songs and they'd say, here, play a song for me and whatever. But uh, Marty had to trump that and uh, learned how to play the banjo. So uh, the banjo was totally <laughs> more cool and attractive Is that than the so? chicks at that time. Oh, yeah, wow. I learned how to play the banjo just about as well as you learned how to play the guitar, which was... That is true. Neither, that is true. neither of them were very good. Yeah. Isn't it kind of all about holding the banjo as 50% of the, the gig? 
Yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do, and I didn't realize this at the time, and this is what kept me from progressing any farther than I did, was it, it has to do with how you use your fingers that are on the neck to, to do what they call hammer the strings. And, and you're literally pressing down or, or very quickly on the strings on the neck at the same time you're picking with your other hands. And that's what makes it sound like you're playing so fast. Wow. Yeah. Mark, that was a long time ago. I had, man, yeah, yeah. That, you know, I'm digging way back into the vaults. Uh, on <laughs> these Mark and I are both about pushing 60 and, and you're talking about half a century, a total between the two of us, a full century of experiences. And if you get us going, we'll be here until nine o'clock tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's right. great. So, uh, so obviously these creative pursuits, uh, you know, took different directions. Uh, we, we both did some, uh, time in uh, radio, uh, DJs at local stations and, uh, Marty even continued that, uh, on a part-time basis, a lot longer than I did. But, uh, you know, I, I went my advertising avenue. Uh, as I said, Marty's a lawyer, a, a well-accomplished attorney in town. Uh, and, and Marty, I, I guess that's where we're intrigued by this overlap of business and, you know, whether it be other creative pursuits as hobbies, as passions, um, you know, how, how do you leverage all of that creative energy and, and channel that into the various parts of uh, what you're doing in life? Well, one of the things that, that I've always heard is that, you know, try to focus on one thing, you'll get really good at it. And if you try to spread yourself out and, and attack a lot of different pursuits, you won't really get very good at any one of them. And I think uh, for some reason, I, my interests have been so varied going back to you know, childhood, basically, my interest in radio was piqued by my grandfather, who was a ham radio operator. And it just absolutely blew my mind that you could talk over the air to somebody 10 states away. I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And that's what got me interested in radio. And somehow I got interested in photography. And I've been doing that for a long time. And then I got interested in uh, video editing and drones and, and doing that kind of stuff. And um, I, I guess I've spent enough time at, at all of those things to get relatively good at, at some of them, but I, I never really felt that I was good enough at any of them to make a living at it. So that's when I went to law school and, <laughs> and, and have had a, a very you know wonderful career. But over the years, and I didn't really realize this until about 10 or 15 years ago, that those two things enable me at least to... Uh, uh, exercise one half of the brain and then the other half of the brain in sort of an alternative uh, way. Um, I can do something creative, uh, take pictures, edit pictures, uh, do things of that nature uh, when I was doing, and, and then, you know, go to work and, and spend time using that side of my brain that requires uh, logic and, and critical thinking and analytical thinking. But it's uh, the process of, of, of being, and I'm thankful to have the freedom to be able to do both. Uh, and it's sort of, for me, kind of a time of day thing. Certain times of the day, I may have the creative streak going and other times of the day, I usually have the, the analytical streak going, but, but the key to keep both of them fresh, I think is to alternate them and not spend too much time on one to the exclusion of the other. That's interesting, because I was wondering whether, you know, you're saying one side feeds the other, uh, but this idea of alternating, what, what, do you, what do you think is happening 
in that creative side of the brain to, I guess, what, uh, freshen it, you know, keep the thinking fresh. Do you think there's something uh, chemical happening in there? What's the rush that you get from these creative sides? Well, there there are actual I think studies on that. Some of the the work I've done I've done worked on in cases involve people that have uh, that claim to have brain injury from accidents, and I've had an opportunity to study up and learn a little bit on the different uh, sectors of the brain, the different structures within the brain, and uh, what part does what, and and how they interact with one another. And uh, a lot of that escapes me now because I guess I'm. Uh, not working on it and haven't worked on it in, in a couple of months. But the gist of it is, I believe that it, it has to do with uh, allowing one part to rest while the other part is working. Um, when I'm doing analytical work associated with the practice of law, the creative side of the brain is uh, having an opportunity to rest and recharge and, and rejuvenate for the next time I have, you know, choose to call on it to do something. And uh, for me, a lot of it is is a time of day issue. Um, I tend to be more, I can't really say whether it's more creative or analytical in the morning, but it's one or the other. If it's a, if it's a weekend day, I, I tend to be creative in the morning. If it's a weekday when I'm at the office, it is definitely the analytical side because uh, I get the vast majority of my legal work done between 7.30 in the morning and 1.30 in the afternoon. And after that, I start to fade a little bit. And then the creative side will take over. When I go home in the evening, I may want to pull out some pictures that I shot at a, a wedding reception two months ago and and tweak them a little bit. Because that's one thing, kind of getting back to your original point in question, Mark, is that I find that if you're working on something of a creative nature uh, and you uh, have been working on it for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours. Eventually you get to a point where you're just blocked out and it doesn't work anymore. And, uh, I found myself editing, like I'll shoot some video with a drone and I'll, uh, be gathering little clips from five or six locations taken over a course of a month or so. And I'm, I'm trying to get them put into a, a single cohesive, piece of work that's about a minute and a half long that, that, that fits the attention span of most human beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll work on it for a while. And after a while, you just think, man, this is just not working. This is just not happening. And then I'll step away from it and come back three days later and bam, all of a sudden it hits you like, wow, this is what, this is how I envisioned it. And you just, you know, go through it and, and complete it quickly after that. So I think a lot of it has to do with, with time of day, how much time you've been, you've spent focusing on one thing getting away from it and then coming back to it later and seeing it in a completely different light and being able to complete whatever project it was and have it come out the way you saw it in your head. Mm -hmm. And and it sounds like you're able to uh, compartmentalize, you know, those activities. In other words, you're not overanalyzing the editing or you're not overanalyzing the, the choices, uh, photographs or something. And maybe, uh, on the analytical side, you're not over, creating or, uh, you know, making up <laughs> data or facts, yeah. you know, in case, um, yeah, so it, it, like you're able to segment those things. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a clarity of thought kind of issue when, after I've been doing something, you know, involved with a creative pursuit for a period of time, I'm better able to, uh, sit down in front of a computer or with a, a book or some briefs or papers in front of me 
and and clearly think as to how those pieces fit together uh, in a in a more empirical and, and objective way. So it's 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 two completely different processes. I guess there's some cognitive overlap between the two, uh, but they still have more often than not more things more distinct features than they have in common. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess one feeding the other, um, do, do you find that your analyses, you know, you were saying, hey, we're going to go to the brief, I'm going to look at the case, I'm going to look at the facts of the case. Is your creative interpretation of the case more, more enlightened, you know, more, uh, I guess, informed by the creative side? And you go, I, I got some light bulbs going on here. Yeah, it can be. Here, here's a, a really good example of that. I think when you, for example, when you're preparing to present a case to a jury, um, it, it, most of the time early in my career, like most lawyers, I think it's most common. You wait till the last minute to really even start thinking about how you're going to go about doing that because you're spending all of your time interviewing witnesses, taking depositions, doing all of these nuts and bolts things. Uh, to try to gather as much information about the case as you can. And you're not really, when you're doing that, you're not really thinking about how to present it in the form of a story. And that's the key. And uh, I learned five or six years ago that uh, through the process of of reading some materials, uh, uh, attending some seminars and stuff, that that process is very much like telling a story, like writing a screenplay. And if you talk to any screenwriter, they're going to tell you the first draft is never the one that gets put on film. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you start out with uh, a story and and over time, it's constantly being revised and updated. And there's a a creative element to that. You're trying to think of the case in terms of how can I uh, tell this and present this information in a way that will hold the interest of a judge or a jury. And I think that process... uh, uh, employ some of the, the creative elements that, that, that I talked about a little earlier. Yeah. Great. You know, you mentioned something earlier in the podcast here about how you are multi-passionate and have a lot of things that you want to pursue. I think a lot of people struggle with that. So I'd like, if you can unpack that a little bit and talk about your own journey, because for some people it's hard to cut off those things and they carry all that baggage with them every day and do 10 different things at a mediocre-ish level or mid-level. How did you trim the, you know, compartmentalize those and focus on one thing and still have those passions that you still do? How did you um, do that? Well, I, I guess it, it it has something to do with the fact that the the things that I enjoyed, the, you know, the photography, the radio, any of the other number of things are strictly for fun. Um, and And I don't, have to rely on them. I hope to someday. I hope that someday I can step away from the law practice in five or 10 years. And if I'm still healthy enough, still be able to uh, engage in some of those creative pursuits. And it's sort of a side hustle that you hear so much talked about today to, to earn a little income. But um, my, the, the interest in, in photography, I'm not sure where it came from. I started about 40 years ago uh, shooting film, had a dark room, and you know, Mark probably remembers the dark room. And my parents, uh, the dark room, boy, that is coming back. Mm. Yeah, you know, my parents had a, a guest bathroom, and I, I set it up as a dark room and played around with that. 
um, and had a little overlap with the radio. One of my, my boss at the radio station I worked at, Howard Clark, was a, a very well-known national guy, programmer, famous disc jockey, worked all over the country back in the 60s and 70s. And he was very, he was a photography nut. And, and he taught me a lot. He gave me uh, uh, a lot of tools to, to learn and, and to, you know, do things like figure out how to set exposure on a camera, how to evaluate light. Um, and, and again, this is getting into the process of that kind of some of that kind of stuff, Mark. But one of the interesting things he gave me was insight on how to study what other people do. Like he was a big Ansel Adams fanatic. And he said, look, there are three books Ansel Adams wrote about photography. One's about the camera, one's about the negative, and one's about the print. He said, you've got to read those three books. And I did, and it was fascinating. They're not easy read. They're like reading a, a physics textbook. <laughs> but you really take a lot from that. And um, so, but, but you know, I, I, I don't know how I've been able to, uh, I guess, to some extent, not uh, – you know, the ability to jump from, from one thing to another, I, I'm not sure where that comes from. I'm not even sure that's any good, uh, that that's a good thing. But, uh, the, uh, uh, I think the, you, you mentioned Mark, the struggle that, that some people have where you can, where you kind of talking about someone being in a position to say, Hey, I, I'm a photographer. I like photography. I want to get better, but I can't get that much better. How do I, how do I do that? Or do I move on to something else? Is that what you were kind of asking about? Yeah. Just referring to, you know, multi-passionate people. I meet a lot of people in the world and they've got, you know, a lot of passions that they, they do all at the same level instead of kind of making one the forefront or, or in a business endeavor, like the, the law practice. And that's what I was curious about is you seem to have compartmentalized those very effectively so that you can have, you know, success in your business, but also you know, have creative pursuits as well. I know that some creative people, they struggle with that and they just um, do all, all the things at an equal level instead of kind of, you know, putting them in a hierarchy. And well, it seems maybe, like you're maybe successful. to add to that, are, are you meaning too that some people don't focus? Yeah. In other words, yes. they're not uh, pursuing really a lot of things equally. They're pursuing a lot of things equally. Uh, inattentively yeah you know, and, and marty like, mentioned yeah, that too yeah. and, and that was great marty where you said you know focus on one thing i think that that sums it up and that seems to be uh, a beneficial strength that you have yeah and, and but i can only focus on one thing for a fairly limited amount of time i think you know some of it may be a little a little ADD, you know, but, uh, uh, moving from one thing to, to the other, it's, it, there's just a, a certain universe of things that have always fascinated me throughout life. And, and photography is one radio is another, anything electronics, basically computers. Uh, you know, my parents are 85 years old. They have satellite TV and voice only cell phones. And that's the extent of their technology. Uh, they, they don't have text or anything. So I, you know, I didn't get that genetically from either one of them, I don't, but, I, but I think it does probably come a lot from my grandfather who was a real gadget freak. But, um, it, the, you know, it's, it's so much of it, I think is just a matter of, of time. And again, going back to that original point, time and, and time of day, when is the time of day when uh, 
the, the creative juices are flowing, so to speak. And I, frankly, I don't really have a lot of control over that. And I can't explain that. It kind of comes and goes. And, uh, but the, the one thing about the process that seems to fascinate me quite a bit is the effect of how stepping away from something and coming back to it later clarifies your original vision of what you wanted to do. And I think that applies across the board. That applies to some of my legal work. I'll be working on a brief and I'll get to be, you know, after about an hour and a half, I'll just develop writer's block and it's just not working anymore. If I go work on something else and come back to it a day, you know, maybe two weeks later, uh, all of a sudden it clicks and and you're able to complete it and have it turn out uh, in a way that, that is as you originally envisioned that. And, and I don't have any explanation for that. Or, or how or why that happens, but uh, as as far as you know, practical advice or, or something of that nature, it, I find it does help that if you get to that point where you are blocked, step away. By all means, they say that I've heard guys that shoot weddings for a living, for example, photographers say that when you uh, get back from the wedding, do not begin to try to edit those photos that night or even the day after wait three or four days until you've worked on something else, come back to that project and, uh, and, and it'll, you'll have much better ability to, to have it come out the way you originally envisioned it. And that works. Um, sometimes if I'm shooting, we, we have a lot of Mardi Gras events here in Shreveport and I take a lot of pictures at those and I come home that night. Sometimes I usually step like three o'clock in the morning cause I'm so excited about them and I want to see what they're going to look like. But invariably, I will get bogged down, can't get them to come out the way I want to, go to bed. Then, you know, the next day or even two or three days later, come back to them and see them in a completely different light and and visualize a completely different way of manipulating or editing them and making them try to come out like I want. Uh, and and it, the, the end result after that process of doing it, stepping away and coming back results in a finished product that's much more like what I originally saw in my head. Well, let's start, let's pick it up on uh, mentors. So okay. you, you were talking about uh, Howard Clark and, you know, uh, photography and such, but I can only imagine some of the other uh, mentors and, and folks in your network along the way. What, what kind of influencers um, really helped your creative process over yeah. the years? Yeah, that, that's been a, a huge factor. Of course, you know, I mentioned Howard Clark and radio and, and photography. He was a, a mentor, you know, somebody that you had a lot of respect for because of their accomplishments and, uh, uh, and, and their, their, their virtuosity at, at doing what they did. And, and cause you could see that firsthand cause you knew these knew him and, you know, you knew how, what he was capable of and what he had done in the past. Uh, you know, I've had mentors in, in the legal profession. Charles Sally, who was the senior partner at our firm, who is retired, uh, was a major mentor to me in, in the legal business. You know, when you go to law school, they teach you what the law is, but they don't teach you a whole lot about how to practice it. And you don't really learn that until you get out into the school of hard knocks. And that's why it's been so important is so, so important, especially for, you know, young people getting out of school now to have mentor programs. And a lot of bar associations, including the one here in Shreveport, has developed uh, a mentor program that you can volunteer for uh, to help people uh, who are just, just entering the profession. Uh, Randy Rice in Baton Rouge, who was the uh, program director at the radio station I worked at down there, uh, was a tremendous influence. 
And another thing, Mark, you know, the thing we used to do a lot of, we spent a lot of time listening to air checks and air checks are uh, recordings of radio stations that are made. And, you know, they don't do this anymore. I don't think, but back in the seventies, disc jockeys would record themselves. And there was just this underground network where these recordings would get swapped all over the place and copied multiple times. And, and we would sit around and listen to those things and just sort of marvel at what some of these other guys were doing. And, and the, and through the process of doing that, and it, it enabled you to kind of, to get better, to develop your own style. And, uh, and that works. And I think in a lot of other creative areas, you have these people who are really, you don't have any firsthand knowledge or relationship with them, but they're mentors to you in a way because you're listening to or viewing whatever their, their work from afar and, and you try to emulate them. Uh, the same thing is, is true with photography, music video styles. Uh, there are some guys out there, Mark, you probably clearly aware of this. There's some guys out there that just do some fascinating things with music videos that can be done now because we have the digital tools to do them. The, the cameras that are inexpensive, the computers and the editing software that can do things light years ahead of what you used to be able to do on film or, or videotape. So uh, you can have not only mentors that are people you have personal relationships with, but it can also be people that you observe, uh, people that you have, have read their books or, or, or seen their work in a museum or whatever. And that works uh, just as well and can be just as important in, in molding uh, your own creative vision and your, your process of doing things yourself. Yeah, this is great. Well, as we uh, as we wrap up, Marty, uh, I couldn't help but think about the longevity of the creative process, and uh, you know, let, let's dive back into radio and music. But um, so the Rolling Stones are on their like 119th tour or whatever. Yeah. They just opened up in Chicago. What 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 accounts for Mick Jagger at 77 years old having you know heart surgery and then going out on the stage at Chicago's uh, Soldier Field? Um, how long? Can a creative brain last? Oh man, that's that's a great question. And you know, I've never seen the Rolling Stones. And my wife told me about three days ago we're going to see them in New Orleans at the end of next month. And with another, it's another friend of mine. We're both having sixtieth birthdays within a few months of each other, and so we thought it would be appropriate to go see the oldest rock band in the world. Yes. <laughs> but you know, the thing about that is somehow you you if you can cultivate either it comes naturally or I don't know, maybe it comes from just the process of, of being engaged with, with things that are artistic in nature, you can kind of cultivate an ability to, to, to continue to learn and appreciate new things. For example, you know, going back to Howard Clark, Howard Clark used to always say it didn't matter what kind of music was. He could appreciate a hit, whether it was country rock, whatever, you know, and I can find myself listening to rap music with my 22-year-old daughter and kind of getting into it because I can appreciate it uh, because a lot of it has um, – there are you know, forms of music out there that would probably seem irritating to most people our age, Mark and I's age, but uh, I find it enjoyable because it has – a lot of it is very musically complex, and it's just – I just find it interesting. Um, so, you know, as time goes by, as things change, 
if you can somehow just remain interested in it. And I think the best way to do that is just to keep exposing yourself to it. Um, if you cut yourself off from it completely, uh, you'll, I think you'll clearly lose interest in it. Um, uh, but I, I continue to, to be fascinated by popular culture, the things that mold popular culture, the artistic trends uh, that, that, that occur over time. For some reason, that just continues to be fascinating to me. And I think the reason for that is just that I, I continue to expose myself to it. I haven't locked myself off from it mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason. You know, I can't really explain why that is. But every time somebody comes out with a new form of music, I, I, I at least want to, you know, sample it. And see, remember when dubstep came out? You remember that, Mark? I mean, I, I think dubstep's a little bit passe now. Uh, maybe it's not. But I remember you had artists like Skrillex, and I don't know who some of these others were. My daughter's listening to that. And I said, that is the craziest junk I've ever heard in the world. But the more I listen to it, it is, it's fascinating music. It really is. And uh, so I think somehow, you know, if you can just continue to be exposed to it, you'll remain interested in it if you have, you know, interest in it in the first place. And, and that That's really applies to music and applies to literature, books, uh, you know, just about any kind of form of artistic expression. That's a great point, Marty. And one thing I'm curious to get your take on is, do you think that, people are innately creative and want to create, or is it something that has to be, or want to be inspired, or is this something that has to be kind of maybe primed at the beginning? It sounds like you're a very, um, you're into a lot of things. You're very inquisitive and curious individual. Do you think that is born in people, or do you think you've kind of nurtured that over the years? What's your take on that? Well, I think you have to have a a propensity for that, at the outset, I think you have to be of a personality type uh, to to have interest in that. Um, but the other thing is, and this sort of dovetails with the my legal education. When you go to law school, I mentioned earlier that they teach you the law, but they don't teach you how to practice it. The process of a legal education requires you to figure out things for yourself. Uh, when you are in grade school, high school, college a lot of the material is kind of spoon fed to you and all you have to do is regurgitate the facts in an accurate way to get a good grade. Legal education is completely different. And all you're doing is reading volumes and volumes of material over and over and over and and just tons. I mean, the amount of reading they assign to you is just staggering and there's no way you can do it all, but that's the point. Uh, The point is to teach you how to cull through all that material and figure out for yourself what is important and what's not. And over time, you, you kind of cultivate the ability to do that. And I think that going through that process sort of boosted or perpetuated my natural inquisitive nature. Uh, because even today, I may, you know, this afternoon, I may get a new case in that involves some uh, widget that's used in the oil field and in, in oil and gas drilling that I've never heard of before. Uh, in order to deal with that, I've got to figure all that out myself. Nobody's going to teach it to me. And I think uh, that's true of every lawyer that's ever passed the bar and appeared in the courtroom. And I think that uh, that component of doing what I do for a living probably helps uh, keep alive the, the, the interest and in, in the, the, the spark of, of creativity and the interest of things that are artistic and, and staying open minded about um, accepting and, and embracing new forms of, of art and new forms of expression. 
great. That's awesome. Well, Marty, we really want to thank you for spending time with us today and sharing your creative endeavors and your experience with us. That's great. Thank you, guys. And we need to have we need to have another one with uh, Mark and I telling war stories about uh, radio days. And oh my gosh, we could- that, that would be fun. I don't know if anyone else wants to listen to no. that. Uh, so maybe but what, we'll, we'll spare the subscribers. But what's interesting about it is how much it's changed and how different it is today than it was before. And the story of how it got from point A to point B is, is really interesting and fascinating. So if you guys ever want to, uh, if there's ever a need for a discussion of that nature, Mark and I can probably talk your ears off on that too. <laughs> well, and, I, and and when you were talking about what you call them, cut re- cut tapes, cut reels? Air checks. Uh, air checks. Air checks. Yes. So that is n- things that were not published or were not post. Uh, they, they were like they were like behind samples. the scenes. They were like samples. Oh, is that what yeah, they were? So yeah. a, a DJ would you know record uh, just. It's it's funny because we laugh at it now, and, and Jenny is always making fun of me even when I listen to him today. That you're taking only the talking and the commercials, all the things that everyone else doesn't want to hear, and you're saying, let's make a tape of nothing but the talking and the commercials. <laughs> Take out all the songs. Wow! As soon as the song starts, it jumps to the end where the disc jockey starts talking again. And- right. That was what you found fascinating. Yes. And, and everyone else is saying, why are they talking over my song? Yeah. Hey, you know, some some guys that, that made commercial versions of those that you can buy. They were collections and they were primarily used by radio people to hear what's going on in the other other parts of the country. And it was a, it was a, a marketplace of ideas is basically what it was. But another, exactly. another source of them is you if you were working in in uh, Shreveport and you wanted to move up to a bigger city, you would make an air check of yourself to send. It's an audition tape to send to other radio stations so they could hear what you sound like. And that was another big source of them. And the radio station I worked at in Shreveport had a lot of job applicants. And and we had just boxes and boxes of tapes from all these guys all over the country. And I've still got a lot of them and and they will still play Mark on that old T-Ax. So yeah. In Shreveport, we're Yeah, it's fascinating how technology and the way we approach these these things change, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah. Well, Marty, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it, guys. Thanks, and have a great day. All right. Take care. All right. Well, that was Marty Johnson talking about how he approaches creativity, some of the ways he, you know, gets insights and and some of his creative endeavors that feed off one another. What'd you think, Mark? Well, I I thought it was terrific. Uh, I learned a lot uh, and I knew Marty, you know, but I, I learned about the way he doesn't just use his creative pursuits to get away from work, you know, or to turn off work but rather how the creative passions actually feed uh, the other side of his brain to be a better analytical thinker. So rather yeah. than saying, you know, I, I need to get away, it's rather like he, he describes it as compartmentalize, you know, mm-hmm. where you can give focused time to both. When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm doing creative things, I'm doing creative things and I'm not trying to, you know, mix and match. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me, and I, and I think we talked about this the other day, is how he makes it a point to focus on one thing. On the micro and the macro level, even when he was 
deciding what to do with his life, what career to get into. He had all these passions still, but he focused on going to law school and becoming a lawyer and then still nurturing those other passions on the side. I think it's challenging for, for some people to let go of some of their passions and maybe put one in the point lead. Marty doesn't seem to have a problem doing that, and it seems to have served him very well. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think the other thing is I, I come away from this interview uh, wanting to try new things, to read something different, to listen to a different radio station, you know, whatever the case is, to stay current, to stay fresh, uh, not to stay in a rut. You know, I, I try to consider myself a pretty creative person, but when you realize, um, you know, have you, have you tried a new dish? Have you gone to a new restaurant? Do you drive a different way to work? I mean, all these things when you say how to stimulate the brain and get the synapses firing in a little different way, uh, Marty really underscored that, that, you know, whether it be music or anything else, uh, you got to try new things and, and stay current because that keeps the brain fresh. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, this was another great episode and uh, we'll sign off at that point in time and stay tuned for another episode of A World of Creativity, special series on enhancing the human experience. Mark, any last words? No, this is fantastic. I can't wait for the next one. Me too. All right. We'll see you later. I know. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, A World of Creativity with Mark Phillips. If you liked this episode and want to know more, check out gmarkphillips.com and please leave us a review on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.